Welcome back, everybody, to Overdue Rentals, the podcast where we talk about films that people are just not talking enough about anymore. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And Yo Ho Blowin' Down is our film for this week. <laughs> and we have a wonderful guest. Welcome to our podcast where we'll talk about Way Hey Blowin' Down. There we go. Sea shanties aren't copyrighted, are they? Do we Probably have to pay not. Poseidon for this? <laughs> Well, look, we're here to talk about Blow the Man Down because our guest, this is a film that was very dear to her when it came when she saw it over uh, during the pandemic. We have stand-up comedian Tiff Stevenson with us. A lot of you may know her from whether just her stand-up or appearances on shows such as Mock the Week and uh, 8 Out of 10 Cats when 8 Out of 10 Cats was still aired. Unfortunately, it's gone now. Man, they still do an 8 Out of 10 Cats does countdown, though. You gotta love that. Ah, I, you know what? I, I just really love that we're building a niche when it comes to British comedians, because I believe, I mean, it's just a, maybe it's just our country's roots with our, our, our Imperial parents, but I know you and I both grew up in our own way, just loving the loving British comedians and, and British comedy. Like I, you know, grew up on Monty Python and Mr. Bean and uh, d- d- eventually branch out to things like Dudley Moore and Peter Cook and Bedazzled. And then you can <laughs> the bedazzled people. Oh, oh, we're doing bedazzled. But uh, no, I mean, well, look, it's my obsession. You know, movies, music, and uh, British comedy slash currently, uh, you know, I guess we'll we'll just generalize it as panel shows. But it could be quiz shows. It could be competition shows. It's my my obsession. So yes, I am hunting people down to get them on the show because I love them all. And I want to talk to them all. And I want to hear about what they love. And so with that, I think we should get to what Tiff loves, which is blow the man down. Tiff Stevenson, please come join us. In the Overdue Rental store. Don't worry, the Swedish fish aren't made from real fish. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's fantastic to have you here. And thank you also for joining us uh, when I'm, I imagine maybe you want to have a nice relaxing evening. But... <laughs> well, look, this is fun. Um, it's a it's a film loving house. My uh, other half is a uh, is a director and writer and actually one of his favorite films uh was on your latest episode local hero so um i'm just telling him i was like look you may do it one day you can't do that film uh <laughs> well it's funny yeah. originally simon chose a different film to talk about and then at the last minute changed it to local hero but uh we'll always you know we'll always we'll have we'll have your uh, we'll have him on for something else he'll have to he'll have to talk about a different he's scottish italian so i think um I think there's a lot of themes in that that, you know, obviously uh, play close to his heart. But um, uh, yes, I uh, should just check with you before we begin, begin. Are we, um, am I recording on GarageBand or are you getting it all at your end? I I have separate tracks all on my side. Thank you so much. All taken care of. Great. Uh, And then, yeah, and I also hit, while you were fixing the door for the cats, I hit the record. So we are recording. Okay, great. Yeah. So now's the time to start slagging people off. Yeah, I hate everyone. Um, yeah, let me think. How can I uh, lose some jobs in the industry <laughs> by by going straight in with just stuff I hate? Uh, uh, no. Well, well, I'm I'm glad you've got it. I'm glad you've got it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this is. I'm glad everyone's going to hear this. No, it's. I like the idea of this podcast because it's 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 actually about praising something uh very specifically that you think is underappreciated so as a vibe i'm very into that yeah well you know that we'll we'll start off right with that though because why do you think why do you think blow the band down so fits the idea of needing to kind of have that praise well i stumbled upon it so you know normally if i'm watching a film i've had i've either seen a trailer i've had a recommend i've seen someone share something and this totally, uh, I totally stumbled across this on Amazon. Well, it, I say stumbled, it was sort of suggested. It sort of popped up when I was looking through new films. What I like to do, and I drive my other half mad with this, is sometimes I'll do trailers for an hour. Mm. Like we're deciding what to watch. And I'm like, well, the evening could just be trailers. I really, it's all <laughs> the best you. bits. <laughs> Thank you. I do the, I would do the same things with my friends. And sometimes I do the same thing with my wife because it's, it's kind of fun. See, I, I'm on the opposite side because I like to be surprised. I don't want to, I'll watch a trailer and I'll tell you the ending of the movie after watching the trailer. I want to be blind. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, so, so, so I, I, I knew nothing about this. So I just saw a picture 
Um, and it just said, blow the man down. And the lettering was kind of in old piratey kind of smugglers kind of writing. And it said it was about two sisters in a sort of fishing village. And I was like, oh, let's give this a go. I, I think I, I saw it and then clicked in and somehow thought it was a series. And I was like, I don't have the... Mm -hmm. I was about to say a very American phrase then, the bandwidth. I don't have ah. the band. Oh, how many meetings have I had that in? We don't have the bandwidth for, yeah. So I was like, I just, I don't have the capacity to uh, to take on like a full series. And then I went back in another time and I was like, right, let's watch this series. And then I was like, oh, it's a film. <laughs> so, um, and so, so that's why I believe, uh, so I, I don't know why it didn't seem to have much marketing. It came out during the pandemic. Yeah um so yeah so that's why i've chosen this film I'm, i obviously i have lots of praise for it but initially i think i think it's not it didn't receive a lot because it came out during the pandemic these two sort of female filmmakers that seem to work on each other's films and also you know on the other side of this i recommended it to to friends who loved it and i sort of shouted about it a bit on social media but I haven't seen what their next projects are going to be. And this is such a great little film. I'm like, what are they doing next? They must be like when you see, you know, like female talent or we're keen to be talking about and bringing through, like when I seen these women's names crop up and what are they doing next? So it, I feel it deserves a, a little bit of uh, discussion. Yeah. Well, there's also, I mean, there's a lot of, I think it's with everything that came out, because like, that was like literally right at the beginning of everybody's lockdown that they dropped that on Hulu. And I started to wonder if it was meant to be, because it had, I think it premiered at Tribeca, then it was a Toronto Film Festival. And it seemed to have got immediately picked up. And I'm wondering if it should have had a larger release, the larger ad campaign, but because the pandemic hit, they said, let's just put it out there. And both why people got to witness it, but also missed it. Right, right. Oh, so, so, so it did do a few film festivals. I probably... I probably should have checked that, but I just I just sort of fired myself straight in into what into watching it. Uh, but you know, like normally, obviously, when you know you're in the business, you're like, people will go, oh, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this yeah. performance? Have you heard about this?" Uh, you know, and and also, I'm surprised that I hadn't seen it marketed more heavily at me because of the because of the actors in it, or specifically the older the older women, uh, the older female characters, and there's absolute powerhouses in there. You know, yes, you've got Margot yes. Martindale, um, you know, um, amongst others. So uh, that is, as I say, right up my strata. So I, I I should have heard about it before that, just because it's, um, and the themes of the film and everything, which, I, you know, we'll get into, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Mark, uh, moving to your point, this was shown at like TIFF and Tribeca in 2019. And then literally March 20th, 2020, this hits on Amazon. So I wonder how much the pandemic, I'm wondering how much the pandemic had them do that or how much of it was just they were planning to put this on streaming the whole time because right, that was right as I think theaters just shut down around that point. So that feels like a really quick pivot into that sort of thing. But again, to your point, this is a pandemic release that I feel like there's several movies that came out during the pandemic that maybe they were just low key or they were just streaming acquisitions that people really didn't get to see. Uh, another option I would throw out is The True History of the Kelly Gang by Justin Kurzel, which is this just not so, uh, it's, it's a, a really great retelling of Ned Kelly that, uh, I'm trying to think of who was in that one. Russell Crowe's in there, Nicholas Holt. It's it's wild. I've, I've I've seen the trailer for that. That's on my list to watch. Oh, it was on my trailer watching evening. Put <laughs> <laughs> that on the list to watch. Um, yes, we just like star-studded casts of, um, and and what I I I assume one of the other reasons for this is it didn't have a huge budget, and what yeah. it's done without a huge budget is it still managed to look really beautiful and interesting, and you've got like sort of. Uh, it's really interesting because I, I went to a, a, a film festival recently that was just short films and uh, there was some amazing stuff in there. But the drone being kind of more readily available now for independent and lower budget filmmaking is a bit of a game changer, really, because you can get these amazing looking yeah. shots with drone footage. Um, 
However, what I have found is that if the rest of your shots, if you don't have an amazing <laughs> cinematographer or you don't have a director who really is very specific about the style that they're going for, you can sometimes have these beautiful, you know, panoramic, like huge opening vistas and shots and then cut to something not so great. Yeah. Uh, and you can really see the contrast. But um, with this, like I thought that it looked, it just looked moody and atmospheric off the top. And actually in the first couple of minutes, I nearly switched it. I nearly switched it off because it was all men at the top. <laughs> so it was men doing a sea shanty. And I was yeah. like, I feel like I'm watching, you don't have Captain Bird's Eye Fish Fingers, but here they're like a brand of fish fingers. Um, and uh, they did this advert which had a sea shanty in it that was like thou shall have a fishy on a little dishy and so it felt like i was watching like a captain bird's eye commercial shot by rankin or someone you know like <laughs> when you see these like huge budget i was like oh this is what is this uh, and then it was slightly undercut by someone smoking a vape and i was like oh okay this is a bit okay yeah. let's stick with it yeah, and a... then and then i did and 15 minutes in you know and it, it's just you know immediately i was hooked it's very good well, yeah, also going back to your to your comment about the cast, because yeah, I mean, besides Morgan Martindale, there's June Squibb, who is like an absolute treasure to this world, and Ed O'Toole, another absolute treasure to this world. Plus, you just you have a lot of young actors in it who are just kind of making their name, and then there are other people who pop up. You're just what is it, Skip? I can't remember Skip's last name. Skip Studdeth, oh, I think, who's um... a huge huge uh, TV uh, star for like you know wait a third watch. He was in Oz, but then everybody knows him as the the getaway driver in Ronan. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> playing, playing the sheriff. So it's like you have people who you can recognize, but they're all like, as we talk about all the time, character actors are the best actors. Let's, let's be honest with you. They're the real talent. So you basically have a wealth of amazing character actors in this that are just going to carry you through like this really trippy story. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know how much detail you want me to go into in terms oh. of spoilers and everything else. Well, yeah, we can spoil we're, away, that's fine. Right, yeah. we're, we're assuming everyone's watched it, then listened to this. <laughs> right, we're gonna, okay. We're going we're gonna to tell them, don't worry about it, we got you covered, so don't, yeah. we'll, they'll know. <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, just because I, I think, just the choice of shots I found interesting, like straight off the top, and then we're into a small town and we're into this community of people that everyone knows everyone else's business, but there's secrets. And it's just, it's done in such a beautiful way because there's no heavy exposition. Like it's done very naturally with, so I was like, oh, this is a good script and it's well-directed and it's well shot. So it's it's kind of, it's got a lot sort of going on. So it's, and, and then the you, you you sort of see that the mother has died. That's the, the, obviously the opening of the film is the funeral. The two lead girls, the sisters, their mother, uh, Mary Margaret Connolly has passed away, left the family business in trouble, in dire straits. One girl's had to quit, the youngest has had to quit college to come back and look after her mum for a year. Mm -hmm. So it's these two girls who are sort of trapped in a small town. One of them definitely doesn't want to be there. So that's the sort of dynamic. You've got this family dynamic, this sibling dynamic, and then you've got the friends of the mother who are very protective and encircled. And then, you know, as that begins to unravel throughout the film, you begin to understand the dynamics of men and women and what that's like in a fishing village and men just come into tap like transient people you know like men coming for a day or two after they've you know been out fishing and uh and margot martindale is, uh, plays enid who who is basically a madam who runs the uh the ocean view and uh and her character just like immediately are like yes <laughs> like this is you could already see the dynamic between the women and 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 the other women you, you sort of got marceline hugo and stuff in there is it hugo or hugo she she's uh she's uh another friend of the girl's mother who is who is kind of like we're not sh you think that they're maybe judging the girls that work there yeah. um but then you actually find out that there's just there's a lot more going on yeah they both know more than they should but it's also like when you get to the end it's kind of this like there are certain things that we're all willing to to get past as long as certain lines aren't crossed. We're all kind of <laughs> not we're not like we're all evil or anything like that, but we're all we're all complicit in certain things until certain lines get crossed. Yes, yeah, and then of course you've got her grandson who's like the rookie cop as well, and yeah. he he's got a little journey that he goes on throughout the course of the film. But actually, it felt like I felt like there was a bit of a sort of DNA of something like Big Little Lies in there as well. How are these women who you think are very separate and different end up being very intertwined because of, 
you know, they're being men and they're being dangerous and, you know, that kind of brings them together in this kind of forming of, of protection throughout generations. This is also a movie that the more I watched it, the more I felt like it was a lost Coen Brothers movie that the Coen Brothers never made. And wow, yes. You can especially <laughs> draw parallels to, to like Fargo with this, where it's just this small town where everybody's, you know, not, not everything's on the up and up and you're slowly learning these different layers. And plus just the way that everything resolves feels like a very Cohen ending where it's like, okay, so these two plot lines kind of just miss each other, but then the result that you think is gonna happen does just through other means. Like that, that scene where the girl just goes in and smothers her and like takes the money. It's like, these girls, no, wait a minute. These girls deserve the money. And that's a, <laughs> right from the jump that these sisters are hiding a secret. There is a murder involved, but right from the beginning, it's like, okay, this murder was justified. And then it just keeps getting more justified throughout the rest of the movie and throughout all these other little breadcrumbs that get dropped. And I just, I love that it's such gray to pitch black morality. And at the end, you it's really like, okay, all we can trust are these two girls and we trust them to the end. Yes, yeah, and it's the perfect length, right? Yes. Yeah. One oh. hour, 31 minutes. Good I, God, I love a film that can do an hour 30. <laughs> I, oh. Any movie, all right, I, I still agree. No, I, I think it was Roger Ebert that said it is like a good movie can't be long enough, a bad movie can't be short enough. But at the same time, you have to know what you're doing to justify any sort of length. And for that to be around an hour and a half and to have that depth and that richness, it is masterful. Yes, that's, oh, I'm so glad you agree. I, it's such, such great writing and so well directed and put together, right? Because it ties up all the, it takes everything and it gives you a sense of, a time and a place and a town and the people and you get to know the characters, but there's also a great plot. It's not just a character study. There is a plot driving it. Um, and, and and 15 minutes, you're sort of in. That's the, you know, at the, at the top with the creepy guy from out of town. Um, and uh, yeah, you're, you're behind them, you're with them, exactly as you said, all the way to the end. And they just sort of stumble into this greater web, like one incident and all of this stuff, including the ties to their family, just unravel. Yeah. So brilliant. And just, it, it, again, nothing, nothing is taken for granted with this. No, nothing is wasted. I think they worked together for a couple of years. I think when they were doing, because I think maybe Bridget was the cinema, I think it's Bridget Savage, Cole, and Danielle Crudy. And I yeah. think Bridget was the cinematographer, but I think they've been working on each other's things and working on like low budget feet where they all would swap roles uh, doing, so doing lighting and like kind of learning on the job, learning every role on the way to being a director, which I think is, you know, um, you know, is, is, is a very good way to do it. Uh, and um, they were apparently working on this script for sort of two years, but it's, it's very, it's very tight. There's no, um, like you say, nothing is wasted. I think it's all, there was never a point where the dialogue felt like, oh, you know, because yeah. that's one of my things that will make me leave a film. If I hear something clunky exposition wise, or if I feel something where I go, that could have just done another pass, you know, um, that could have just had a moment or even when you were, even if you didn't feel like it was there when you come to shoot it, to maybe work with the actors and come up with something if that wasn't, you know, so I, it always takes me out of a film when I feel some like kind of really bad dialogue. And uh, this, this didn't have any of that. It just, it, it did it really well. Also, to your point earlier about the idea of them not being overly, uh, you know, um, filled with exposition dumps, because there's a lot of just very clever way they, they wrote things together. For like instance, like talking about uh, the young um, deputy, uh, was it Justin? I can't remember his last name, but, but played by Will Britton. You know, the whole time you just see him as like on the cop, I want to do the job. But you really very clearly just through all the actions learn that he's just really truly that old good old boy to the point where it comes to the end and he figures they're lying. It's like, I just don't like her that much anymore. It's like, you don't need a lot. You just need that one little line. You're like, you got it. You know, you know where he's coming from in his character's mind. Yes. Again, again, totally Cohen's because he's the one, it's always the case of the one rational person in a world full of wild, sometimes idiots, sometimes schemers. But it's just always that sort of that linchpin where he's like, 
wait, no, this connects. Hey, why did you hit police on speed dial? That's that's kind of weird. And then meanwhile, the world is just conspiring against him to be like, just just forget it, man. It, forget yeah. it. What I was cove. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is that it's the um there's that great scene. I think it's probably probably about midway through where he comes in as one of one of the men. I think it's the husband comes in and says, "I dropped my fork," just like how utterly helpless, yeah. like how the women run the town. Yeah. So you've got the police there, you've got the pretense that they are somehow, you know, one of the 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 carpet, the you know, the main guys. He's in love with Enid or the version of her that when they were both young, and he was like, she was the the best thing that ever happened, you know and just quite content to eat his pie and and not ask questions. And then of course the rookie is like, well, I'm gonna eat the pie, but I'm also gonna ask questions. <laughs> um, but but just earlier on, just coming in going, I dropped my fork and there's just this completely helpless man. Um, I, I, I just thought that was so beautifully done and how they definitely, and then they were like, okay, Enid has to be stopped. You know, this this has gone too far as soon as he leaves. It's like back to this council. It's like a council of women. Yep. who run the town and just he's good for talking about football but that's that's about it you know the ladies of the mob in, in this town easter cove i got it wrong i thought it was Widow, he's, he's, widow's cove would have been cool but yes yeah they're like the shadow government almost yes yes perfect i also find it very interesting because the actual shanty of blow the man down is something like I, we all know in essence but really to me at least we all know oh yo blow the man we don't know the actual lyrics to the songs and i actually had to go back because what they sing at the end isn't what i think the original shanty was but it, it didn't matter for what the movie was trying to say that was actually very clever and, and smart but it's just such a twisted song that it's just like taking like a new you know toll for it in, in some ways like kind of like reclaiming it for something different was very interesting yes yeah yeah, uh, uh, there's so much it's commenting on. Yeah, it top and tailed per perfectly. <laughs> uh, just that that final sequence of just walking down the main street and then you just get, and they're all coming out because they're all there and they've all done it. And and rookie cop, you've got to go, is he going to leave town? You sort of, you're left sort of going, well, he's either going to leave town or, or he's going to stay and just accept that that's how it is. Um, but feel like he's been sullied because of it. That's what he felt. He felt sullied because yeah. he liked her and she lied. And the shame of it is, because you kind of go, oh, the two of them probably could have been kind of cute together. Yeah. Um, because they, you know, they, they did what they had to do. There was no, the reasons that they took the actions they did. Well, that's almost like, without saying it, that proves that he probably does stick around and just keeps quiet about it because that's Pris's thing. I mean, she agree she ultimately agrees it's the wrong to turn her sister in by the time it's gotten to that how far it's gone. Don't go to the police. And because she was the straight edge one uh, out of all of them, too. So I think it just mirrors what he decides to do is probably the same. Unless unless you showed him leaving to show that there was a reason why he's staying for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Mary Beth will go to college, we think. <laughs> uh we sort of hope. But I kind of like as well that that the uh Priscilla's not kind of shitting on the town i guess mm. in the end she's like no i'm happy like i actually i actually like it here i think i can do this um so i liked the fact that they both had their own little separate and mary beth had sort of come back into this oh actually you know it's maybe it's it's not here that i hate you know i just thought of it now that we've been talking about it the fact that officer coletti's relationship with enid is the sort of thing that you know Justin could eat, could fall into because of his his despair because that's probably it's this whole cyclical yeah sort of why am I struggling for words right now incestuous lifestyle oh well, well, well it is kind of in a, in a way it is a sort of societally incestuous lifestyle where people just you know stay in this town the status quo isn't going to change and despite what the sisters did you know and was morally right. It, is it a matter of time before they do fall into the business end because there's nothing else they can do? You can only, in a place like that, you can only stay sacred and stay, to, stick to your guns until it comes to the time where you have to either leave or join in. Yes, yeah. Does everyone become complicit in the end? Um, I watched Midnight Mass uh, during lockdown 
and there was sort of yeah oh okay so there's a few similar themes of this being this small island that that kind of crop up in that and and does it does it corrupt you if you if you stay eventually do you you know um this is absolutely popping my chat i'm i don't know how to get it i'm just gonna go in and see if i can switch something off because even if you can't hear it i'm worried that it's bouncing off my um yeah off my information how do i turn you off um because silence notifications i mean i'll be honest with you as many times as we've done this we've always heard people's pings if it's on i've i've not heard a single thing at all so i don't think oh, okay. it probably will okay yeah. right well there we go hopefully that's it you know what it's a text group of of uh, american comics so it's actually a text thread so now is sort of i guess lunchtime there right so everyone's yeah. you know <laughs> sometimes well, all... it's going at three in the morning and i'm like guys i'm in the uk ah! <laughs> <laughs> they all must be clam well I oh no wait it's tomorrow night because Nish is in town and he's performing tomorrow night. Right. Yes. So I was, I was wondering if all of them were going like who's going tonight? Who's going? <laughs> uh that that's um most of those are LA based. Okay. So that's that's why I was thinking lunchtime. But uh, oh, yeah, there very are lunchtime. A, yeah. There are a few there are a few New Yorkers on there, yes. Uh, uh East Coasties. Let me just say to the people on Ms. Tiffany Stevens text thread. You're welcome on overdue rentals at any time. <laughs> if it's having this much fun, then just so. yes, yeah, yeah. Come shout about. I just, I do. I like the idea of shouting about something that you think is great. Because often, you know, as comics, we're coming into, you know, I, I of course, I love a bit of a, a good rant, a comedic rant, mm. uh, or some slams and some clapbacks. But it's actually quite nice to come on and go. This is this is something I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's not something that we were, were trying to like trick people into coming on or anything like that. But I always feel sometimes that that's like, hey, look, you probably you must get sick talking every five seconds about the same special that you filmed a year ago, two years ago. It's like, come on, we'll, we'll talk about it for a second, but then let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something <laughs> you love and that most people don't know about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'm always happy to talk about myself as well but uh yeah um um it's hard it's hard to do it's hard, it's much easier to praise other people than to do self-praise mm. well i think british people in particular we like uh, <laughs> you know well, that's of, how i feel about myself most of the time too so i, I feel right. like that yeah it's, it's hard hearing that because i know that's the i know it's the style i know it's that the you know the traditional thought process you know like about uh you know whether it's britain versus america or anywhere else in the world but like i feel that that's about me a lot of the times every base is about themselves in britain so i'm like i don't see the difference i yeah <laughs> i know well actually i i sort of think about it it's it's good and bad in that it's it's i will be incredibly and i suppose lots of comedians are quite self-deprecating but mm. i think there's more of a vein in American comedy, as well as um, what you would call like the losers, and the you are you do have a few who are like, I was super popular and I'm really cool, and this is why I'm winning. Um, and so we, you know, and in the UK, I don't know that we have as much of that in terms of comedy. We really just we just want failure. We like we find failure very very funny. <laughs> um, so sometimes if if people are winning too much uh, in comedy, then we. Uh, but the other side to that is I find American audiences have a much more, um, I tend to find if I do shows, I always describe it like this. If I do shows in America, like the American audiences come in with like, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And, um, and, and UK audiences come and go, this is going to be shit. Yeah. It's going to be shit. Like if, if it's anything better than shit, well, then we're pleasantly surprised. But the attitude is going, it's going to be shit. It's what we want. It's what we need. It's what we deserve. And uh, actually, I prefer the American way of thinking much more. Go in assuming you're going to have a good time. So I think those two, you know, they sort of can balance themselves out a bit. I think there's also like, from from what I hear or see, at least there's, you know, this big expectation that the British um, audiences are probably much more into the idea of heckling in a certain amount of ways. You're gonna have to deal with a lot of jerks, but I, look, I know it sucks for you guys. I know it stinks when you, you have a show kind of goes off the rail, but as an example, the last actual stand-up show I was at was James Acaster in 2018 when he was here in, in New York and the show kind of fell apart because of somebody in the audience. And I feel horrible for him that it went bad, but like, 
I got so much enjoyment out of it because it was still, <laughs> I laughed my ass off of what he was doing yeah. To, yeah. to deal with the situation. And I, I know how he gets and I know how he felt about it, but like, I was thrilled. I just had the time of my life. I I think, listen, I, I, I don't mind talking to the audience. I find, I like, I think I always try and leave a little bit of room for within the show to be a bit playful with someone if you know if the mood takes it it's, it's sometimes if you're doing an hour show or you're doing a tour or you know and you're kind of like there's a bit of an arc here and i want to get to it you know i get that it can be but um i tend to find that that actually a lot of the time sometimes people are interjecting with stuff that they're like they're really into it that's what yeah. i find it's normally someone it's less and less i think people kind of going I absolutely hate this. I mean, obviously stuff's happening in stand-up now as we've seen at the Oscars and and various, you know, that that there are people who are getting very angry about jokes mm -hmm. and stuff. But but um I tend to find a lot of the time it's 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 a kind of wanting to join in. Sometimes it's wanting attention, sometimes giving a little bit is enough, or sometimes, you know, um you know, you give someone enough rope and they normally just can, you know, if they're I'm saying for me, I know that show for James, I suppose, was very particularly about mental health. So I imagine it's quite yeah. hard for him to sort of come off and 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 then kind of go into it with someone when he's in, you know, when you're yeah. in the midst of of telling a. Um, but but I I I do I like I like American audiences for the enthusiasm and giving it a chance. I just I think to to our detriment in the UK, we're very like prove it whatever prove it mm -hmm. meh, meh, you know so i i don't like that as an attitude i kind of like a well why not let's see what this is let's be open-minded and then from there we can you know it could it can be but it, i kind of i feel if you go in with that attitude it's a good way to be i think oh yeah i mean that's you're you're definitely giving american audiences a lot of a, <laughs> I think quite, a, quite a bit of credit and i i thank you for that <laughs> To a certain extent, it, it is true, you know, uh, if you stay off of certain social media platforms and networks and other things, you know, you can you can find that contingent that says, all right, I will hear you out about this reboot or about this new talent or these new jokes that you're throwing out here. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's what we embrace at Overdue Rentals. As Matthew had said, you know, there are movies like Blow the Man Down that need to be embraced because honestly, you know, the past couple of years, there has been sort of a, uh, well, I guess a, a C, you could call it a sea change where it's like more female-oriented projects and female-oriented creators are being given opportunities because, you know, the the money make, the, the business people have finally realized that, oh, I guess this is something people would want. But <laughs> certain... guess what? Women like films. I mean, <laughs> new and new have disposable job. income and want to... <laughs> women apparently like entertainment and and can be despite what certain medical journals said in the 1960s entertained yes <laughs> and this is just this feels like something that was so organically built around a female-based concept with female yes. creators it's not just okay we're going to give you x property or we're going to we're going to spend this much attention on this development lab and see what we get out of it maybe one or two ideas will come up this was just meant to be what it was and it serves all audiences but it definitely has the more female uh, focused viewpoint that just doesn't forget okay this we we do want to serve an audience but also we need something that's actually entertaining and makes sense and isn't just pandering yes and, and i think that's one of the things i think we're all you know i know for me you know if i'm acting in something or if I'm, you know, I, I when someone says we're doing a, a female version of this or we're doing an all female version of this or we're doing this, but with, you know, and it feels like, let's tell some fresh stories, some new stories. I tell you what, uh, what I liked about this as well is that it was a, it was a, it was a proper story they were telling. Cause I've, I've done lots of meetings where I've pitched an idea that I've had and I don't know how many other female creators get this or feel this a lot of the time as a as a woman writing 
it's kind of like IP. There's an obsession with IP, I guess, in America and like this kind of like, why are you telling this story? Mm -hmm. And I feel like women are kind of constantly told that the stories have to be very personal. <laughs> they have to have a, a, a certain amount of our trauma and our pain in them <sighs> in order for them to be respected or or noteworthy as opposed to going, do you know what? I can create worlds. I'm creating universes the same as you know, I want that the same as when a guy walks into a room and just pitches. I've got this idea, not like, well, what's the IP on this? Why are you yeah. telling this? Well, it's set in space, you know, or whatever, you know, like you want to say, like, like, why are you telling this story? Because it's the story, because it's my story, because I invented it and I can create worlds. I don't don't make this so small. So it was a story. It did have, you know, it was about men and women and the dynamics, but that wasn't that's obviously not how it was pitched and how it was like you have you need to be from this fishing town yeah this needs to be your personal story and, and that's what you get to do well i was just saying this to my friend the other day and it's something that i it's not that i hesitate to say it's just i wonder sometimes i start to say it and i'm like i hope this doesn't sound the wrong way because it's not how i kind of mean it because yes just like this where there are themes and um other other pieces that you can pull out talking about men and women, talking about old, young, whatever it is. And I, and I use the examples of something like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Black Panther, because yes, they got a lot of play for people who wanted to push like, oh, it's you know all black cast, all black crew, uh, uh, Asian American stories. But while all those things are able to be pulled from it, it's just a good goddamn movie. It's a good story. And it's just, it doesn't, you don't have to think of it in certain ways to enjoy it that way. But you should also be cognizant of what it is saying because it, it, it is saying these things. Yes, yeah, uh, it's it's joyful to watch a good story to not have it because it did feel like for a while it's like well women let's have all your me too kind of takes let's have your you know yeah um, and hitting socially conscious let's address this because we are we are fixing this we are fixing this yes yeah as opposed to going this is art and you know, we might address these things, but we're not trying to fix it. We're trying to tell stories. We're trying to move people. We're yes. trying to, through the medium of film. It also goes and, back to my, my always, I always have that the comment I always like to make to people because every time anybody wants to try and get into the argument where they're trying to be like standoffish. And it's like, oh, well, there have been women who made films. Look at Catherine Bigelow, you know, look at Penny Marshall. It's like, nobody gives any credit in the world to Mary Harron for making American Psycho. And for her to put out that movie, even though it was had based on a book, for her to do that so amazingly well, she deserves all the credit in the world that does not get it. And with Guinevere <laughs> Turner writing that. Yes. Sorry, we went off on a rant there. Yeah, no, 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 but <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, I, I think, you know, sometimes it's, it's probably a symptom of trying to overcorrect where historically, you know, stuff has been overlooked. So it's, you know, I, and maybe it will all kind of like balance and 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 come out. But I, I, I don't want it to, you know, I think when people go to see a film, they're like, do I want to be taught? It's a bit like stand up. I find it in stand up as mm. well. You know, sometimes, you know, so my job is to, I, I do think my job is to make you laugh, entertain you and make you think. But I yeah. don't want you to feel like you're being taught and I don't want you to feel like you're being told off. And I don't, you know, so, so it, trying to find a way. And I, I think that with films, if I feel like a film is trying to, because if it's brilliant, there will be so much in there. You'll learn so much. You'll go away asking questions. You'll think about things differently from a great movie. Um, yeah. But I think if you see, yeah. if it, if it has to tell you constantly that it's doing that, then it's sort of failing in its mission to do that. Well, Agreed. circling back to stand up in that respect, not everybody can pull off something like Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. Like not right. everybody lands that, but when you can, it walks that line so beautifully between bringing light to situations, like bringing attention to situations, but also having a good joke. Yeah, and and the it's, and comedy's such a broad church as well. There's there's like people get upset because there's there's like room for that, and there's room for anything that's completely different to that. Like there's room for it all. I, I just don't like the idea of being boxed in to say you have to talk about anything because of who you are and where you come from, as opposed to kind of going, 
I just want to tell this story, you know, like I want to do my alien film. I want to do my <laughs> film that's set in 1918. I want to do, you know, yeah. my, my film that's uh, has ghosts and goblins and is super like, you know, I want to do stuff that's not just like this kind of, I want to, I don't want to say domestic, but I feel like, you know, yeah like what a, what where's the big action film you know mm -hmm. so um so um I, but having said that i also like small stories as well that are about people and a place and everything else and that's that's what this that's what this does um i did, i haven't looked to see if they come from easter cove or anywhere else uh maybe maybe someone grew up there but i kind of like the idea that they went oh no we just want to talk about a fishing village and what happens there and, and have these characters you have to wonder if it's somewhere where somebody just like they heard the song somewhere and was like let's do something around that yes yeah yeah or someone's dad was a fisherman but then that you know the fishermen that they're, they're sort of not really the character it doesn't really no. focus on the fisherman really at all you know you've got the cop and the guy that's working for for, for enid so yeah so um if that's the one bit that's the spark and then it just goes off where it wants to go that's great well even to your point of not wanting to limit the uh, creators to certain sorts of stories. Movies like this shouldn't be limited to just streaming. And I feel like that's sort of, it's a new niche that it's not totally overtaking the independent world, but it's something that's definitely becoming more prevalent, like Netflix and Amazon or, or Hulu were getting these movies. And even with Hulu now being part of the Disney family with Searchlight Pictures, a lot of Searchlight Pictures movies that you probably would have seen in theaters are going to Hulu as debuts. Which is exciting. I feel like, and listen, there's so much great TV. We've been in peak TV for a yeah. while, haven't we? I'm finding now it's sort of almost going the other way in some respects for me. I'm seeing series out of films that didn't, that weren't, yeah. that didn't critically land or that weren't amazing that are now becoming long form series and I feel like then we've got stuff that's being developed that's true crime that's now a series and actually I I you know and and there's ones those that are great and obviously you know I've just watched the end of Ozark which I'm absolutely obsessed with <laughs> um so I do I do love the being able to dive into those have those longer but I do feel like a resurgence of film or getting people back out to see these independent films and I said this years ago and I think and and genuinely I think it must have been about probably seven or eight years ago that I maybe said, I'm trying to think how long I've had Netflix. As, yeah. But I, I, I remember Ooh. saying years and years ago that Netflix should have, and whether Prime do this as well, or Hulu, you know, like to have a chain of cinemas that they show not just their films in, but also that the the series that they're putting out so that you can go and have the, 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 the communal experience of watching either a series like Ozark, you know, uh, and and you could go in and go, we're gonna do six in a day. So come in at, we'll do them back to back, or you can come in once a week, we'll play yeah. them like they're going out on TV. And then you get a chance to see all these small, smaller independent films in a cinema. Cause I think I watched, I think it was The Mother, the Olivia Coleman, uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Is yeah. it Mother? Is it The Mother? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lost, uh... I can't, I'm having the a lost daughter. Right it's called the oh, lost daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. It's not the mother at all. It's the lost daughter. Yeah. Um, so well, Olivia watched... had the father. Olivia had the father like <laughs> earlier in the, the year. Yeah. All the family, the cousin at some point. We're going to yeah. get the cousin. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, I watched that. I watched that at like at home, but I was like, oh, I would have liked to have seen this on a, I think on a bigger screen. I think, yeah. it, you know. Well, I don't know if it's as complicated in any other country, but I know it used to be that there were laws where basically studios couldn't own movie theater chains, but now it started that those laws were repealed and it's only like, I think we're maybe a year or so out before that's allowed. Oh, the antitrust thing, is yeah. that the oh, right? Yeah, okay. the Paramount Accords. And, Netflix, uh, ha Netflix bought the Paris Theater. Isn't the Paris Theater now Netflix's theater? Yes, they have like individual theaters, but they don't have like a chain. Yeah, no, not a chain, yeah, yeah. On top of that, news just came out recently that they're talking with theatrical exhibitors because now, you know, they, when they were previously trying to deal with exhibitors, they're like, oh yeah, uh, a 45 day window, that, that'd be good, right? And theater's like, no. But now that the 45 day window is so prevalent, 
And at the same time, it may be because Netflix kind of had that big subscriber dent uh, this last quarter. They are allegedly talking with theater chains to get movies like Knives Out 2 into theaters because they want to experiment and see how things would work. Because if they go into big theaters, they now have to pay a lot more for marketing. They have to split those ticket revenues, like a whole bunch of other unforeseen cons or like undealt with consequences now have to be brought in. Well, I was in uh, Serbia uh, uh, shooting a film at the end of last year. I think we just missed Knives Out 2. Mm. They just wrapped. As we, so I'm desperate to see it because I'm I don't I I think we might have shot in one or two of the same locations I don't know um, watching from a from a bench <laughs> yeah so um so and but if, <laughs> yeah what's what's she doing <laughs> I want her for nine three but uh but I I kind of I I think something like that would be perfect because it's got that kind of Cluedo esque big mystery, huge stars in it. It's perfect on a big screen. And the other I, one was I, a massive hit. Yes, yeah, really uh, brilliantly done. Like the perfect, just the perfect, sometimes you just want to watch that kind of film. You go, you're trying to work it out before they do, you know. Um, and I, I, I think actually when I was there, I went to the IMAX to watch Dune when I was in, when I was mm. in Belgrade. And again, that's something that you go, I think we watched it. I watched it with my, uh, with my other half at home on the, and I was like, it just, you can't really see that it's still good. But I was like, Dune has to be seen in a cinema, right? You've got to see it on the big screen. It's just, it's kind of like Star Wars, you know, like as soon as you see sand dunes, as soon as you see the spice, you know, you need to just have this huge huge cinema screen to really appreciate it so I'm, I'm keen to be getting back and, and seeing films in that way i will tell you this much i went on opening night to review the 3d because as part of my journalism gig i get to review 3d movies and also i love 3d when it's done right right from the beginning dune proved that it needed everything it's like no this is we spent all this money and it wasn't just on you know jason momoa's abs this is like yeah, yes this is a film yeah yes you've got it coming uh, yes you've got it it kind of really it just does give it gives depth in in more ways than one yeah you know visually and and your immersion in the film and everything else i'm so excited for the second part like but uh, but that felt like i felt a little bit like how i felt as a kid going to watch those you know when i went to see something like you know i think i was 13 when terminator 2 came out and you know that just that huge films that you go they need to be i need this needs to be bigger than life um and uh a communal experience yes and 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 i by the way i i'm not a person who'll shit on the marvel you know like i like the marvel and dc films but it is nice to see something that is also not that play out on a on a on a, yeah. on a big screen well i mean we gotta let you go so i won't keep i won't make this too long but i will say on all those points that i think everything no matter how big or small should be seen on a screen if it can with all that being said when i tried to re-watch blow the man down something was going on with my service on my tv that i use it on so i unfortunately had to watch it on my phone and uh, <laughs> that's okay that. yeah yeah <laughs> Well, listen, that's a different experience. I mean, kind of feels like back to the office. You could be on the tube, just like watching a, uh, how did yeah. it, how did it, how did you find it on your phone? And actually it still look, it still looks fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I, I, I try not to, there are just certain times I have to like, whatever it does, whatever was running my app that would normally watch it, which I have a big 50 inch TV, like an old school high end TV that they don't make anymore um so it's not huge but it's large enough the app just was not working and i just did not want to get up and start plugging my computer into the tv so i just, I just said fuck it turn oh, the, phone, the phone it is the yeah. phone it is well there you go you can watch it on all formats everyone yeah. don't miss out on this film watch it however you can watch it just don't tell christopher nolan you're watching it on a phone well. oh i i had a really weird i'm gonna put it out there i might manifest this i had a really weird feeling like this was literally three days ago i was like oh i think i'm going to be in a christopher nolan film now i've not auditioned for him so i have no basis for any of this but 
I think maybe I'd had a dream about time travel the night before, and then I'm obviously Christopher Nolan was on the brain. So, um, like I say, there's no good reason that I should be thinking I'm going to be in a Christopher Nolan film, apart from I just decided I, I am going to be. But when he hears this, he'll obviously yeah. go out and cast you. Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. It'll be his first comedy. Yes. Yes, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> a, a comedy time travel film. Um, he was actually in the cinema when I was in, I was at the Arclight uh, and I'd gone to see, in LA, I'd gone to see uh, Parasite and Christopher Nolan was there with his family. Oh, so wow. um, watching Parasite, presumably loved it as much as, as we did. Cause yeah. it was gonna amazing. Say, as everybody notice, should, yeah. yeah. Did you notice any sort of like ticks? Like was he sitting there with like his hand on his chin or like, was he like looking over, leaning Throwing over popcorn. saying that, that right there is cinema. <laughs> no i should have i should have snuck behind him and just like made loads of notes or tapped him on the shoulder and said oh in about two and a half years i'll i'll be sitting in my in my in my house and go oh i think i'm gonna be in a christopher nolan film fyi <laughs> well now you can do that with the advent of time travel yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i'd already put it in there you go make it chris just give me the call you this know where being written right now there we go. we're doing yeah. it <laughs> It's simultaneously, everything is in the present and the past and the future. So it's being written now, it was already written, and it will be being written. Well, Tiffany, before we let you go, do you have anything you would like to mention to the audience, where we can find you, or certain projects you'd like to plug? Oh, yes. You can find me um, on Twitter, at Tiff Stevenson, um, when I'm on there. That's probably where I interact the most with people, but I also have an Instagram uh and a tiktok for my i do a fun thing on um on tiktok and on uh, uh twitter which is called men she wrote which is basically me writing men like bad male authors write women you know stuff like he, he charged into the room pert testicles bouncing gaily that kind of thing um so if that if that tickles your fancy yeah, there's a whole thread on Twitter. There's a bunch of videos on TikTok of me reading them. It's very, very silly. Um, so eventually we're gonna we're gonna do something a bit fun with that, I think. Um, so find that. Um, otherwise, oh yes, I I am in a film. So I I can't cannot tell you release dates yet. Mm. Uh, but uh, I'm in a comedy horror that will be coming. I, I think probably around autumn time. Uh, it's called Slotherhouse at the moment. Um, I don't know whether the title will change, but um, yeah, so that was what I was shooting when I was in um, in Serbia. So it's an, a, a US film uh, with a great bunch of people, actually. So I'm really excited to see how that comes out. Um, very, very fun. I think I was the I think I was the oldest person on it. I think. <laughs> I think I was the oldest person. Everyone's younger than me. Um, I don't mind being around young people. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good fun project. So, uh, so keep, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for me in autumn and you'll see me pop up. Thank you so much for your time. It's fantastic having you here. Thank you again. Thanks so much. Uh, what a joy. Thank you for having me. Have a great one. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, Tiff Stevenson. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for bringing this film to us. Uh, cause I definitely didn't, you know, I knew it existed, but I hadn't watched it yet until she mentioned it. Me neither. And I'm glad that we got the chance to, because this, again, this is just something that it was those early days and it kind of got buried. Like yeah. even to a certain extent, you look at some Hollywood releases at that time, like Mulan, which was just about to be released in the theaters at time, or even Onward. Like I was surprised Onward was something that was in theaters, like the weeks leading up to. Yeah. Like it's there for a day. <laughs> and then very quickly was like, okay, we're going to put this on VOD. It's going to be on Disney plus. You guys can watch this at home. Be safe, please. But still give us attention. And it really is sad that this got lost because if this was released, was released right now, or maybe even just a hair earlier, this would have had talk around it. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's something that, even if it went to theaters, it was still going to be, it's still an indie no matter what. So it, it would have probably hit the overdue rentals, uh, you know, counter, no, you know, no matter what happened, because it wasn't going to get the wide, it's not going to get the Top Gun release, you know? Well, I mean, uh, if you, if you go down a long enough line, a long enough timeline, every film becomes an overdue rental. True. Not true though. I mean, this, this is definitely There's one of the handful that don't. There's a handful I think that don't. Godfather's never going to hit it. Shining will never hit it. Casablanca, 
Citizen those are, the, those are the sort of movies that we would cover on whatever uh, Patreon spinoff we do for like the the big ones. I mean, is the Marvel Universe going to hit it? I don't know. Some see, okay, Marvel Universe, just like the James Bond franchise, is something where it's so voluminous and it has so many entries that in that microcosm alone, you could pick overdue rentals because for the longest time, I would say Honor Majesty's Secret Service was the overdue rental. I think it's grown much more in popularity in the past couple of decades, especially with the Daniel Craig run. And now for your eyes only is an overdue rental, I think is, is something that people need to pay more attention to, especially because it was uh, Roger Moore's more serious, most serious, hmm. and I think his best James Bond movie. But even with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like you could say Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk might be an overdue rental or... Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to say this. And, and I'm not saying it can't, and I'm, this is, we're not going to get too far of a divergent path, I guess, but with Bond, everything leading up to, even at this point, uh, dealing with No Time to Die, it's still technically in a field where people were going to see different movies on those weekends. The box office was battle between two to three movies, let's say, and everything held everybody's attention where we've now somehow shifted into a world where Marvel is the box office. That's the only box office. And there, then there are a few cherry films that somehow break out around it, but the box office, the weekend, the stuff theaters only exist. It seems for Marvel. But at the same time you go, I, I think you go down the line far enough. Eternals becomes an overdue rental eventually for someone that liked Eternals. I'm not going to be here for the Eternals day. I'm not going to be here for Eternals either. I hated Eternals. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I know we talk about this all the time because again, a lot of these things that we're going to talk about or have talked about or want to talk about are not necessarily good movies. They're just movies we have memories of because they, they, they were introduced to us in a certain way or a certain time that it, it created this this nostalgia in a way for us. Doesn't mean we have to like them. Doesn't mean we have to say they're good movies. But the Eternals, I'm just not going to be there. But at the same time, at least one of us happens to. Usually, at least one of us happens to really have an endearing love sure, of that sure. film, where it may not be like top flight, but it was something that we really hold in our hearts as something that's just entertaining. And then you've got a movie like Speed Racer, which really did deserve so much more because it was just a big, yes, favorite. But with all of that being said, yes, if down the road it's like, I, I'm just gonna pull a name out just to just to make it easier. It's like, hey guys, uh, Steven Spielberg wants to be on the show and he wants to talk about the Eternals. We're not gonna say no, right? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, look, Jack Septiguy, aka or better better known as Sean McLaughlin. Uh, by his uh, person name, not his YouTube handle, suggested Hot Fuzz. His human skin name. We weren't really thinking that that was an overdue rental, but the argument that he presented was definitely something that, you know, again, he took the approach where it's like in the microcosm of Edgar Wright movies. That's one of those ones that kind of hits the middle. And look, with a good enough justification and with a big guest, we're not going to say no because we like talking about what people feel like is, yeah. is an overdue rental. It's not just, we're not putting a, a rubber stamp here saying this is only an overdue rental and this is. It's like, it's a subjective topic and guests are going to have different picks. Yes. And we're going to love talking about it because that we're friendly at overdue rentals. This is supposed to be Matt and I wearing some sort of uniform shirt, standing behind a rental counter, offering popcorn and candy and hey, so you've already seen this movie. Have you seen Blow the Man Down? Well, Why while, are people talking about it? Yeah, and uh, while we're a fictional video store, we can still provide you a streaming recommendation because this is a place that exists outside of time. And so with that, load up Amazon Prime, cross Blow the Man Down off your overdue rentals list. Do it. And then, you know, complain that uh, you want to talk about the Eternals or something. But before then, Mike, where can people find us? Well, when people aren't busy uh, extorting each other for money or personal favors or control of a small fishing town in New England, uh, they can find us on the internet through various social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rental Show. 
on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to email us love letters, recommendations, incriminating evidence that the town police chief is secretly in love with the local madam, you can email us at overdurentals.gmail.com. But while we've got you on the internet looking for clues, looking for more films with the wonderful character actress Margot Martindale, you can find us and our previous 50 episodes. Yeah, we're at like 50 now at this point. Yeah, episodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 50 episodes. That's just, it's, it's wild that this is episode number 50. Come here, six, we don't know. What's not up for debate is the fact that you can find us wherever you ethically source your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Audible, Ham Radio. Someone's got to be doing it by now. We've mentioned the joke enough that it has to become the truth. Uh, but wherever you get your quality listening materials, we're there. And if you want to keep us there, if you want to make sure that those platforms pay attention to us and maybe offer sponsorship deals or highlights on their, their Instagram stories or what have you, you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so the rental counter can stay open and the popcorn stays fresh. Because again, this is Overdue Rentals. It's about love. We want to talk to you, at you, through you, next to you, when you least expect it. And it's all about movies. Woohoo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to Overdue Rentals, make sure to support us by going to anchor.fm slash overdue rentals slash support to donate and keep us going to make better episodes for the future.